a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I've been asking a lot of people the same question recently. What's your favorite Christmas song? I love asking this question because it accomplishes three things. When I ask it, it almost always gets a conversation going, even among people who don't know each other. You know, because Christmas songs are just something most of us enjoy. The second thing it accomplishes is it helps me figure out the hopes and the expectations people like you place on this season. And thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, I ask people's favorite Christmas song in church because it helps me learn which hymns you all actually know how to sing on Sunday morning. And I've loved all the answers I've received. All the answers to what's your favorite Christmas song. I've heard about memories of long-last family members standing together in one pew on Christmas Eve as they sing together, Oh, Holy Night. I've heard about the power of Handel's Messiah and its ability to make even the tightest lip quiver with joy. I've even heard about bizarre traditions in families where you have to make up words to joy to the world on the spot without any practice. There really is a lot of good Christmas music out there. And frankly, I think we think it's so good because we only listen to it once a year and we're not overwhelmed by it in the intervening months. But nevertheless, there is one song that absolutely drives me bonkers this time of year. It's one song that I will immediately shut off the radio if I hear the opening chords. There is one song, in my opinion, that has no place in the Christmas lexicon. Baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. When I was younger, I absolutely loved this song. There's just something about Dean Martin's voice that makes the song sound like melted butter, you know? And there's a scene in my uh, beloved Christmas movie, Elf, When Will Ferrell is singing the words in the shower, it makes me laugh no matter what. But as I've aged, the older I've become, the more mature I've become, I've realized how horrible and terrible and problematic this song really is. Because when you pull back the veneer of the incredible voices and the dynamic harmonies, the song, it's nothing more than a man forcing a woman to stay the night against her own will. It is, baby it's cold outside, in song, in verse, and in chorus format, sexual misconduct. I mean, listen, I really can't stay, I've got to go away, this evening has been so very nice, my mother will start to worry, my father will be pacing the floor, so really I'd better scurry. But maybe just a half a drink more. The neighbors might think. Say, what's in this drink? I mean, have you ever listened to it like that before? We don't hear it because the whole rest of the time we hear this perfect tenor voice. Baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold outside. Well, baby, it's cold. I mean, he is trying to force her to stay the night. He is doing everything in his power to convince her against her own better judgment 
by giving her more alcohol. And perhaps, I can't believe it, maybe even putting something a little extra in her drink. It's terrible. And I think about my son. I think about all these kids who will grow up in a world where a song like Baby It's Cold Outside is normal. Where they will turn on the TV and they will see men abusive toward women and see it as being normal. I think about my son. I think about children growing up in a church where women pastors can be expected to make $12,000 less than their counterparts. The cultural acceptance of a song like Baby It's Cold Outside is exactly why we are hearing right now every week about more and more people. And when I say people, I mean men being accused of this exact kind of behavior. It's behavior we learn about in a Christmas song. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. I mean, who in the world are we supposed to be comforting this time of year? The people who have a warm sanctuary on Sunday morning? Those who have trees that are almost hidden by the mounds of Christmas presents? Those who have a full family around their dinner table every night? A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then, and only then, shall the glory of the Lord be revealed. Then, and only then, shall all people gather to see it together. Then, and only then, will the mouth of the Lord speak. The Lord declares that a new thing is coming, a reckoning. All will be made new. The mighty shall be brought low, and the weak shall be made strong. Only then, with the reversal and the evening of all things, shall the glory of the Lord be revealed. During Advent, we are forced to recognize that God is in the business of toppling things over. And in particular, toppling things over that we've grown all too comfortable with. Over the last few months, there has been a non-stop revealing of sexual harassment and misconduct from some of the most powerful men in our country. Whether substantiated or not, we haven't gone a few days without another name bubbling to the service. Roy Moore with Young Girls many years ago. Al Franken, both before and after he became a senator. I mean, Matt Lauer had a button installed on his desk to lock the door when young women would come into his room. Harvey Weinstein repeatedly used his power to assault and manipulate young actresses. Even our president hasn't escaped the scores of women coming forward to name the terrible things that have been done to them. And the naming isn't going to stop anytime soon. And somehow, to make matters even worse... Most of these men have had these terrible habits for a long time and nothing has been done about it. The abused women were made to feel powerless and threatened if they ever revealed what happened. Others in power knew exactly what was happening and instead of confronting the person, they made jokes about it. And far too many of us have grown comfortable in a world where women are made to feel less than men.
As I said earlier during the children's message, the United Methodist Church released a study this week from 2015. They looked at all the compensation of all the conferences across the world. And for me, I was just looking for Virginia. I looked at the Virginia Annual Conference, and in 2015, even among clergy men and women who had served the same number of years, had the same level of education, women could expect to make $12,180.94 less than clergy men. I could go on and on and on with stories and examples of how sexism and disruptive power dynamics have done terrible things to and against women. A song like Baby It's Cold Outside, it only scratches the surface, but it goes to show how deeply entrenched these practices and behaviors really are. The word from Isaiah, the word from God, it comes as the people are suffering under oppression, a suffering that seems inescapable. And at that moment, God declares a new thing is happening to and for a people who feel no hope. Babylon, like far too many men today, rules with an iron fist, with a power that feels inescapable. And that's when God decides it's time for things to change. The evening of all things is coming, and we, thanks be to God, get to be part of it. I am ashamed to admit that as more and more names have come out, the Kevin Spaceys and the Charlie Roses and the Louis C.K.'s, I've been surprised at how pervasive this is. And my surprise is embarrassing because I see the world through my own lens, which, to be frank, is both white and male, and therefore I have either ignored or been blind to what actually happens. But when I talk to my wife, when I talk to my sisters, when I talk to my female friends, when I talk to female members of this church, They, you, have not been surprised. Your lack of surprise is due to the fact that for every famous and powerful man who asserts his will or degrades a woman, there is an equal, if not higher, number of men in the workplace and in the community who do the same, if not worse. We live in a world where women are made to feel less than men. And thanks be to God, It's finally starting to change. During the time of Isaiah, the people of Israel existed in a state of misery. They were stripped of the structures that gave meaning to their lives. Their temple was destroyed. They were forced to worship a false god named Marduk. And God, our God, decided to change things. God did, as he had done before, something new. God poured out God's grace on the people and made a way through the wilderness, a wilderness replaced and reshaped by grace. Today, we are captured and captivated by a culture that tells us all is well when we know that all is really hell. Because if the world had its way, we would be prevented from ever entering and contemplating these things. We would come here and we'd wish each other a merry little Christmas and we'd go home feeling all the happier and all the wiser. But God says no. God says we've come to this place to counter the culture that has made something like baby it's cold outside normal. Because women today, they exist under the threat of male chauvinism. They are under the threat of physical and emotional abuse. 
they live with a patriarchal frame of reference that would make Jesus turn even turn over even more tables. It is good and is right for us to hear about this, to hear this word from Isaiah during Advent, while the world and the, the word of female suffering continues to come forth every day. It's good and right for us to think about this during Advent because Advent is a, a time where we give thanks to what a woman said happened to her, namely Mary. Advent is a season in which we relearn how God identifies God's self, not with the powerful, but with those who are weak and who have been pushed to the margins. Advent is the time where we relearn to look for the ways that God is turning the world upside down. And we give thanks. So when we hear these words from Scripture about comforting the people of God, they are meant for those who have been forced to the margins of life by men, by the powerful, by the principalities. They are words of hope to women in the world today that a new thing is beginning. And for those of us who are a little too comfortable in life, too comfortable in the season, too comfortable with the status quo, those of us like me who either ignored or were blind to the suffering of women because of our towers of privilege, there's something for us to hear as well from Isaiah. We should hear this word and we should tremble in fear. Because the word establishes the distinction between those who rejoice at the word of God's arrival and those who see God's arrival as a threat to their own power and position. Advent, it shines a light on the truth of our lives in a way that most of us would rather avoid. The prophet Isaiah shouts to us through the sands of time and beckons us to imagine how far we have fallen from God's grace. Isaiah beckons for us to wait for God to judge our iniquity. Isaiah responds to what God is doing and calls us to do the same. This is the God we worship. Or as Isaiah puts it in the text, here is your God. The one who makes all things new. The one who brings down the mighty. Who comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. The one who makes a way where there is no way. Here is your God who provides a voice to the voiceless and empowers the powerless and breaks the all too frightening silence. God is making a way where there is no way. God is lifting every valley and bringing down every mountain. God is doing a new thing. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you caught it there at the end, but my son Elijah was saying, Amen, Amen, because he knows that's the sign for Daddy to stop talking. And he's really, really smart and wise today because I recognize the irony of being the kind of person to talk about this kind of thing in church. After all, I am a man preaching about how men have fallen and have failed to do the right thing. But I think in my heart of hearts that if the church is not paving the way to upset the powers of be, where is their hope? I mean, for us to have an institutional structure where clergy women make $12,000 on average less than clergy men, we have to be the ones to say a change is coming. We as a church have to be able to make a straight path in the desert for God so that no woman, whether 2 or 20 or 80, ever, 
ever has to suffer through what women do every day. And in no way, shape, or form am I allowed to, or should I speak on behalf of men, but I will say how very, very sorry I am. And I will say that we must be better. 